Here we go then. Okay. It's, it's Monday, it's the 26th Monday. of March 2012, and it is the audio podcast. Podcast! Okay. <laughs> so, show 52, a bit messa, um, reference to um, music messa, which is happening, and also the fact that in the summer like heat, which is sweeping across England, we are. Um, a bit messy today as well. A little bit messy. I've got a, a little, little bit of messy. sunburn. It might even be sunstroke. I'm I'm gonna think it's just burn though for the moment. I've been I've been kind of keeping to the shade mostly. I've been not not getting burnt, but yes. <sighs> Relaxing, enjoyable, and it's also it's seven o'clock, but it's now British summertime because the vernal equinox has passed and then the Sunday following that and here we are now an hour different to what we might otherwise have been. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. And with it being the vernal equinox, does that have any sort of musical significance at all? Or are there possibly any musical relations we can make to that? Well, um, I did come across a sample library which has been released by Equinox Sounds. Um, it probably has very little to do with the time of year and things, but it's, um, it seemed to fit for that reason. There's no sound examples, we can't listen to what it is, but hey, it's a Psytrance Explorations 3. Yep, inside the package you'll find styles of psychedelic trance, starting from full on and going on to full power. I don't think I need to hear what that sounds like. I'm sure it's awesome, I think I know exactly what that sounds like. But if you're into your side trance, that's something you're going to want to see. Or hear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. We like samples, but we also like sounds and recordings, and we like chord punch. Um, Scott M Hewitt, you're Scott McLaughlin, Scott Hewitt's not here, um... Yet he may show up at some point today, but possibly not. If he, he arrives said some... at the point when I have to disappear, that would be a beautiful piece of. Uh, that would be great. Song, but it's it's going to be a short and partially solo show, I think. Um, yeah, our next article is about chord punch. Well, it's not about chord punch per se. Chord punch is a, a record label dedicated to algorithmic music. I personally love this that there is a record label dedicated to algorithmic music, and we have some friends on there. Yeah, and what I was what I was trying to get around saying was that there's been some mention on air of um, a forthcoming interview with these guys. Um, I'm not sure when that will be, but I'm looking forward to it. And they're released this week. We're in the news section now. Um, all of the links are at wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk. And the guy slub. in question, we're talking about uh, Slub. Good name. This, yeah. It's Dave Griffiths, um, Alex McLean, and, and Aid Ward. So Live Coder is well known on the live coding scene. And they, they've gone under, under a couple of other names, haven't they? Or at least members of Slub have gone under other names. Yeah, I think they're all known individually and as part of other groups as well. But they, as it says in the blurb on this page, they don't often record their sets. It being all made from scratch, I think perhaps part of the, part of the aesthetic there. I don't know, but here's an unusual chance to hear some of their stuff recorded yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of that of that aesthetic as an idea that you know the stuff is generated live it happens live it's of the moment it's an improvisation using code and they generally don't record a release because it, it, it's a nice thing sometimes to separate out the aesthetics of composition and improvisation in, in that way but uh yeah I've, I've seen these guys in various guises play plenty of fans and it is when you hear algorithmic music, you tend to think of academic stuff. But no, these guys pump out kicking tunes, bass beats. They're uh, they are party algorithmic music. 
Oh, I should have closed the windows. Can you hear the motorbikes? I can. I, I actually thought that was part of the slub track coming in there. This is real-time Gloucestershire audio. Um, the backdrop for the show. We'll just tell people it's synths. It's fine. Yeah. Well, speaking of synths... Did you like that? I did. Um, <laughs> um, patchwork dot patchworksynth.com um, they've done it, they've got an update to it I think we've mentioned this before but I haven't had chance to go back through the show notes to find out when I think um, you must have because I've seen it before and I, I don't think I'd have come across it any other way than through the show well it's a flash based modular synthesizer where you can tweak and re-patch and create noise or music yeah yeah it's, I think it's great it's like uh, oh I've suddenly just forgot the thing that it's like, but it, it's like any one of those software-based modular synths where you can drop in synth modules, connect them up to each other, send stuff from one thing to another. All done in Flash, all in your browser. Very, very effective. That said, slowed my computer down to nothing when I ran it a few minutes ago, but that's because I have about 37 tabs open, so let's, let's blame that on the 37 tabs rather than patchwork. <laughs> it's been one of those days. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, 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 I like Patchwork quite a lot. It's a lot of fun. I've, I've also included the link to the um, Symptopia story, which I found this was new through because the site itself doesn't actually make any mention of there having been an update. So, yeah, fair enough. Yep. And I liked the quote, which I kind of semi-remembered before, which um, that, that this thing allows people to create either music, effects, or utter noisy crap. <laughs> I also like, there was, oh, maybe it wasn't on this that I saw, somewhere on one of the many tabs for the stories we have open at the moment, there's a PSK Fair <laughs> quote. Did you see that? Uh, uh, oh, never mind. It's on a later story. I'll come back to it. Cool. Okay. And, and one other word of warning for anyone who intends to take a look at this Synthopia link. Synthopia is generally a great site, but never, ever read comments. Somehow, the comments man managed to turn, within the space of two comments, it goes from being talking about... Patchwork being great to being a full-blown personal hater argument about Steve Jobs. It's a truly tragic, tragic thing. <sighs> anyway, never read the comments, ever. Okay. And so, speaking of large uh, DAW manufacturers... Yes, and speak... And, right, let's, let's get rid of that. Yeah, that so, was a pretty weak link I made there, but I think that's yeah. right up to Propellerhead. Yes, so this, um, I suppose, is... Well, it was part of the music messes stuff going on, which we're not. Yeah, we're not full of that. There's, yeah, there's some of that. This came through um, Propellerhead's email, and they were announcing new technologies and new things. So the story which headed the email I got, which provided the link which we have, is about rack extensions. Which this is, cool. yeah. I mean, I mean it, it is. It is reason stepping into the the app market and the buying things to add to your application market which is cool but and an, and, and an opening of their closed box system whilst maintaining yep. the the things that they like about that yes yeah, so they've did, did you actually get a chance to take a look at the id or, or anything like that no or... there's a link to um request information to get into right. it which i clicked and filled in but i think they're looking more for established producers um so the, the, oh. their their idea of opening up the wall garden is more like having a having a bouncer at the wall garden door. If, yeah, if you've already, I think oh. they're interested in yeah in people with proven track records at 
DSP programming and things that are going to make this a commercial thing. Okay. I, I should imagine in the future they'll open it up further, but yeah. at this stage that looks to be there. That's, there is a bit of a block. There's a block between the SDK, but also it's not completely. This is an announcement of the technology, but they right. do say in the video, which there's two links to, um, because yeah, the, the the main feature of it starts 15 minutes in, um, but the link we've given jumps there. Yeah, it's not quite finished. So proof of concepts is already there from reason six. It was already there right. um, in the new effects they added. We're actually secretly a test ground for this. Um, and they've got a few examples of people like Korg and others. I haven't got the list in front of me right now. Yeah, but there there are examples of of other big companies stepping in and and testing this stuff out, or, or providing their own stuff to connect in with it. Um, a bit of both. A bit of both. both. So there's some. They've already got. There's already some mock-up and some actual running DSP. Hmm units that appear in the rack and have the full functionality that you would get in the Reason rack. So am I right in thinking that Max for Live was the first time you had one of these big uh, generally locked down programs opening opening it up for people to add in their own effects? I suppose, although, although with VST it's always been possible to sure. program your own, like the VST SDK has always been available from Steinberg and but I guess so, part of part of what are the points about the the propeller heads guy um, Ernst uh, uh, was saying was that you know the advantage of rack extension is that you don't have to worry about uh, poorly coded VSTs or anything like that. But it, it's going to go through. It, well, it implied some sort of either quality control or just that the SDK is so locked down that anything you put into it will have to work with reason. Yeah, well, I think they're going to see inevitably you're working with stuff that you just don't know what someone's put into the box. Indeed, and by having a an iStore style, yeah. an App Store style front end to it through the Propellerhead website, where everything has to go through that to get in there, there is that kind of quality control on it. Sure. Whilst still opening the doors to other things. Yeah, so who knows what will come? It'll be interesting one to watch this. On a on a side note, the opening fifteen minutes of one of the videos we've got there, he's talking about uh, Figure, their new iPhone application. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So this is. Um, I like that. Yeah. So they, we, I think some people were speculating that they would be announcing full blown reason for iPad or whatever, but mm. they've kind of not gone for that. They don't think they didn't feel that was appropriate. But what they've done is taken two of the synths. I think it's. Well, one of them's Thor. Thor I'm not sure. Is it Maelstrom? Uh, no, it's not the Maelstrom. No, it's a simpler one than that. Okay, but they put those in, and there's the, the drum machine technology is in there, and they've got some. They've got a nice fancy compressor for the outboard for the the final mix. But it looks like they've done a clever job of working with the limitations of the fingers on an iPhone slash iPad. They put in just a few things, enough to make it work, and enough enough uh, flexibility for you to work with. I thought it looked it looked good. I mean, yeah, but, attempting to put full-blown reason onto an iPhone or iPad would probably just be a fail. It would indeed. Um, yeah. yeah. I, liked, I liked the, the kind of pitches of, about the fact that, you know, you, the, the time when people use apps, according to them, is in the, the few minutes that you might be on a bus ride or whatever. So, they want, so they've got a really streamlined flow through. Yeah. Okay. I tried to keep with it. I should have had more coffee. This is 
<laughs> Sorry, I've just been blowing a fly out the window. Fly is now out the window and the window is closed. Okay, so keeping with the theme of mobile stuff, Reactable Mobile has been updated also, and that's on um, Android and iOS. Oh, is it on iOS? I, d I did not see this. I actually looked around to see if it was iOS, and I didn't see that. But... Yeah, and it was actually originally... I think, well, yeah, I don't know. It's available on both, so it's on version 2.0.0, as updated on the 23rd of March, Oops. and... React Table, for anyone who doesn't know, is originally a physical device. It's a big table type object, the size of a large coffee table, where you have a bunch of chip type things, like the size of casino chips or something, and they all do different functions. You put them down on it, and they connect up and, and through a wonderful kind of uh, upwards projected visual thing. And you can then, each chip can do different things. Some of them are effects, some of them are generators. You can make them talk to each other. Very, very effective. So now it's been put onto, well, not now, but it is now updated on uh, iPlatforms and Android platforms. W was that a reasonable explanation of it? Yeah, definitely so. Um, now, did I put it in? No, I read, I read somewhere this week, I didn't put it in, so maybe I should have mentioned it, but people complaining about Android audio and like latency and things like that. But mm. I think it looks like that didn't make it into the show notes, so we'll carry on. And I'm just uh, just before you jump on from Reactable, yep. I uh, I've, I just found yes, you're right. It is on iOS. Reactable Mobile going for six pounds ninety nine pence in UK pounds. Okay. I would like it, but I'm not going to pay seven pounds for it. <laughs> How much is it on the um, Android thing? What oh, that's Play Google. I, I would look, but then I'm going to make loud key clicking noises. And, <laughs> it's seven seven pounds and four pence UK. <laughs> oh, for what it's worth, that um, that reason, that propeller head figure thing, when it comes out over the next week or two, it, it is down to be one dollar. So I guess that's going to be one of those sixty-nine pence ones in UK monies. Yeah, or is it? Will it be one dollar? Yes, yeah, presumably. So what? Well, that, that's what he said on the thing. One dollar. Yep. Maybe he meant euro dollar. Which brings us on to <laughs> yet another I thing. I uh, think, and this is definitely in the music messer category now. Some of these things have been kind of yeah. borderline in and out. Um, this is Elisa's take an iPad, stick it into another thing thing that has knobs on it thing. Yep, so the IO mix is what they're talking about. I think they've been doing IO plug-y in-out stuff, but this is the first time they've got one which has f is a four-channel mixer integrated into your iPad, if you have one, it does it's look not... kind of cool. It, it looks a little bit like something out of out of Star Trek, but maybe that's just their choice of graphics on it at the moment. It, it literally looks like a little four-channel mixer that you slide your iPad into, and then it it has your standard iPad dock. It connects into your iPad, so it uses the processor of the iPad to run the software, and then your mixer is a hands-on four-input mixer, and you get standard. Was it four four combo XLR quarter-inch inputs? That's right. Balance. Stereo quarter inch outputs, video output. Yeah, it's got composite and S video output. So that's quite cool. But that's a nice extra. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, so like that's they're kind of saying one of the suggested uses for that would be for doing um, real time video stuff in addition mm. to having live mixing all from this one unit powered by. I mean, it caught my eye saying like the 
it caught my eye because it you know it looks it's got it's clearly got four channel strips on the front and then this yep. big colorful this big touchscreen display um i hadn't realized at first because i was going on visual browsing rather than reading names <laughs> <laughs> what it was but yeah there you go. but it's not available yet this is a forthcoming thing um yeah. so pricing and due dates are unknown it does have phantom power that's nice. Uh, switchable phantom power. Does it have phantom power for everything? I'm going to take a really close look and see. Does it have phantom power buttons on each input? Hard to say. Maybe on the back. But you know that one thing that looks nice about this is they don't appear to have tried to squash in too much. That's it. I mean, I was, I'm quite surprised that... Um, well, it's, it's just GarageBand as one of the apps that would use it. So I, I'm surprised that the i that the iOS is actually the core audio in there is capable of mm. more than two channels. I think that's quite good. And it kind of ties in like the new iPad was out last week or was it the week before the week before perhaps? Yeah, and we kind of didn't talk about it too much, although the main the main comment there was that it's definitely a move towards content creation. Yeah. I mean you're not gonna be able to use the camera <laughs> at the yeah. same time as one of these things, but Right, you never know, maybe. Oh, no, it doesn't look like it. I'm just looking at the back of it here. It's each of the four uh, mic uh, XLR quarter-inch combo inputs. They all have individual gains at the back. They also have high-pass filters on them, which is nice touch. Not controllable, but, you know, on-off high-pass filters. And the, your phantom power is split across two, so you can switch on and off for two inputs at a time. Left, yep, right. And... Sorry. Oh, you, okay. you You're right, see so, ya. Yeah. Yep. And um, channel one also has the switch for guitar like guitar level input. Oh so. yeah. And that brings us on to something totally and utterly different that I cannot think of a way to leap to, so I'm just going to say let's talk about the Alpha Sphere. The Alpha Sphere is you, a you oh no you go, please. After you. Yeah. It's a spherical controller. We talked about an open hardware design of one of these types of things that was using distance um a couple of weeks ago and this is a Closed hardware commercial thingy dude what which has a whole bunch of pressure sensitive pads arranged in a sphere that connects to software which then translates that to MIDI or OSC. Now I can't so, remember how how does it connect to the software? Is it is it cable or does it doing it over the air? I think it's USB. I suspect it's USB. Yeah. Okay, this thing looks beautiful. They've done really well on the kind of PR and the shots and the thing. Look, the design. The design is great. The thing looks beautiful. You've got a big ball with 48 pads on it. Before the, the pads are varying sizes. There's some that are almost hand sized. There's some that are kind of finger sized. The software looks fantastic. It looks really cool. Great interface. I'm presuming there's a wide range of mappings that you can do to this. But yep. We're not sure. And to compare it to the one that we spoke about the other day, the other week, which I'm desperately trying to look up the name of. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, while you're looking that up, I mean, we've got 48 pads on this tap to trigger. They're, what I like is that they're tap trigger or they're pressure sensitive. I'm guessing you can control that from the software. I wonder, can you do it on the fly? That's potentially interesting. Uh, it's got responsive LEDs, so you can see, in theory, what's happening on it. Oh, USB connectivity, there it is. That's yep. how it connects. Multi-channel, polyphonic aftertouch, MIDI. In intuitively and infinitively programmable. Pre-order yeah. now. I'm going to jump to that. <laughs> Programmable. The, 
I mean, in the in the demonstration video, it's quite amusing because they kick yeah. off with that line of it being infinitely programmable, and then they say because you can assign any sound to any pad, so it's you know they're talking about it as a sample playback machine. Yeah. Is, yeah. Mm, yeah. But to compare it to the Dodecodeon. Oh, that was it. That looked great. Which is um, distance on each of the sides. This is you have to touch it. So I, I think. Not having used eye problem, I imagine that's probably more. Well, this is a I think... paradigm, doesn't it? I mean, this is more of a keyboard paradigm, whereas the other is more of a theremin type paradigm. But yeah, and with using the keyboard um, technology of MIDI, it gives the the alpha sphere gives um, notons and then polyphonic mm. aftertouch per pad, or or you can get it through RC, as would be the case with. Things. So, I, I'm, I'm going to put out two arguments on this. One, okay, it looks awesome, and this is probably great. Uh, they don't give us a price on it, but fair enough. The the good things with this, I the bad thing that I dislike straight off the bat from this is that it, it just seems quite closed down. It doesn't seem like, I mean, I'm sure you can. There are infinitely programmableness within what they want you to be able to program into it. It doesn't appear particularly hackable or applicable to other programs other than what they're giving you. But it's hard to tell. But on the other hand, I can see the one advantage to that is that if I bought this, I wouldn't spend my entire life trying to program it, as I would with a lot of other things. I could just get straight into making stuff with the sound and and what and the flexibility they've provided, which I guess is a plus in some ways. Uh, it's not the plus I'm interested in, but it's a plus for a lot of people. I guess it's a bit like, com yeah, comparing the um, mon the monome to a Tenorion, if you could also have everything that the Monome did in the Tenorion, which yeah, you don't. Sure. So at least it has, it does have that open control output going on where you, yeah. Well, what the output here does. Yes. Okay, there is also another piece of hardware which connects via USB and spits out OSC. And is also but, very beautiful in a totally different kind of way. Totally different kind of way. This is a two-dimensional flat surface plane, which is all produced, which is all to the eye made of re uh, renewable wood sources, and has come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Abandon uh. sentence. Run away. <laughs> I I've told you it was going to be messy. I've been falling over how to attempt to describe this without being able to show it to somebody, and it, it looks kind of like a big, flat piece of wood with lots of indentations in it. In it, it's a, what is it? 150 keys? You can it can be mapped to that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's got 150 tiny little wooden squares on an otherwise large wooden surface. It looks beautiful. It looks handcrafted. It's very very nice. It's kind of got a little bit of a but like like a walnut chessboard appearance to it, except without the black and white chess alternations. But it, it has that kind of beautiful surface to it. And this is what is it? Is it called again? The sound. Plane. It's sound plane, yeah. So how much more open is this? I it seemed a little bit more open, as in it's just churning out OSC and MIDI, isn't it? Yep. Um, but you Why are currently, you... and again, yeah, it's similar to the. Um, AlphaSphere that we were just talking about, you have to use their the software which they provide, which for the sound plane is um, programmed with Juice, with JUC. So 
that makes it cross-platform um, Mac, Windows, Linux. So yeah. it's not open, but it is accessible to get that OSC or MIDI out. Well, that said, at the bottom of the the, 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 the facts, they do say that the client oh. is open source. So I think so. Okay. the fact that it's built on Juice, they've open sourced it as well. So this is... That seems ah. a little bit more possible to me, but but as you say, it does come with its own interpretation software that that does stuff and make presumably makes sounds and things. But it it, it looks great. It, it it's got that really nice. I mean, personally, I, I I as a as a creative musician, I find this more <laughs> interesting because you can turn it. You can make either 150 individual note sensors on it or you can have it as a continuous plane i really like the continuous plane thing and you i get the impression you couldn't do that with the alpha sphere with the alpha sphere you have 48 well i guess each one is a continuous plane to a certain extent but whether you could program it like that is another question but i quite like this i you agree also yeah this. i do <laughs> <laughs> i don't know Come back, Scott Hewitt. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like this. The, the price tag, on the other hand, made me fall off my seat, but it's <laughs> The price tag, special introductory price, is $1,695. But, you know, it's a beautifully made, handcrafted piece of work. And with that said, can you remember how much the... Oh, you mentioned it two minutes ago. The, the big 64 by 64 p thing that we talked about 30 seconds ago. The, the Alpha Sphere? No? Uh, 64? Like a big square. Uh, uh, our friend has one. Oh, Manome. Yes. I, yeah, I don't know how much they are these days. I don't, I don't know. But a, a comparably sized Manome would be in not quite that expensive, but not far off of. Mm. As in, uh, you're paying here for someone to sit at home and make this and make a beautiful job out of it. So that's a good thing. If I had $1,700 to spare, I would love one of these. And the, the but the Dodeca Audion thing was also was in that kind of price range as well, wasn't it? To get the to get a made unit. Um, oh one. yeah, you're right. I think that was about right. Yeah. That was in loading English files. Um. Yeah, nine hundred ninety-three euros for that one. So you know, yep, these things cost that much, apparently. They do because they're beautifully made. Sam, the moment has come when I'm afraid I'm going to have to run away. Okay. I'm going to have to leave you to the thunder. I can do that. I can. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Internet, for listening. It's my birthday. I have to go for my birthday dinner now. Good evening, y'all. Have a good evening. Goodbye. <laughs> Okay, so the first time ever in audio podcast history, I'm running solo. It'll be okay. I feel a bit like Garth in Wayne's World right now, but we can we can cope. All that is remains on the show notes are a bunch of stories about Spotify. Um, firstly, that there is an Australian launch forthcoming. Um, there's not going to be much discussion here because there's no one to discuss it with. We still haven't been able to get... Google Hangout to work as well as it was when we had lots of people coming in and joining us. Um, hey. Stick to the stories. The next story is about um, Sound Drop, which is a way 
which is an app, and there are also lots of apps being released this week. Um, it's a good week for apps. Hey, you're still here. And, yeah. <laughs> and last, for the Spotify section, which brings us back in time for comparison to Napster in 1999, um, speaking at South by Southwest, um, Sean Parker describes... Sean Parker is the boss of Spotify? He's he's involved in Spotify. I think he's an investor. Oh, he's the original he's, Napster guy. Yeah, that's a, and he's, he's the original. Board, I think. Yep. Yeah, his his argument here is that although Spotify is great, Napster was better Be, ah. because <laughs> because from the off it had the um, ability, it had a chat client built in, which meant that people could actually talk to each other. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. Although Spotify did try to introduce that, it just didn't work. Well, that's it. One of those stories I kind of skim past just then is a kind of social, talking-y, kind of hangout, listen-y type place. But all of that has been added on. It's not quite the same. Like, and although with Spotify you can share playlists, you with Napster you could just instantly see what music people had in their collection available. Yeah. And okay. although Nap although Spotify is doing it legally it does have comparatively a restricted yeah. corpus of sounds. The library available is what? not as... <laughs> hey, it's okay, that's the com creative commons. <laughs> yeah, um, allowed. <laughs> well, I, I guess I inadvertently brought us into the plunder there. Yes, indeed. So, the plunder links from this in that it is talking about the 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 myths, perhaps, is that, if that's the right word, the kind of, the, the complex math that goes into copyright claims. Yeah, yeah, the deeply sarcastic complex math, as in the largely made-up numbers. Is it, this yeah. is Rob Reed's wonderful comic, cute, not entirely accurate, but based on lots of accurate truth. Uh, his, Rob Reed's little talk at TED were pointing out that if you take copyright math and the math that is thrown around for the, the infringement costs of copyrights, you find that your iPod is worth about $8 billion with all the music on it. Yep. It's cute. It's very funny. It's worth watching. If, if you're already on side for that argument, you'll find it funny. If not, you'll probably find it infuriating, but then you're probably on the wrong side. Yeah. Uh, the, some of the statistics that he uses are, um, are music. He talks about the number of jobs that, that were lost by that are lost to piracy and things like this and points out the the insubstantiality of that when you look at actual figures from different places. I think one of my one of the things I liked about this is the I always get a bit upset when I not upset is that the word? I get frustrated when arguments are based on statistics because you can make statistics say anything you want. Yeah. Absolutely. But what he's doing here is taking the RIAA's actual statistics and turning them around into comic because they're just complete rubbish. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That brings well, us to the end of this week's show, I believe. A bit messer it was. Um, maybe we should have given it a better name. Might have kind of. No, no. Hey. Good. I think that was <laughs> topical and humorous. So we will not be back next week. We're going to have a couple of weeks off for Easter time. Um, 
I think we're going to drop some stuff into the podcast feed though um, perhaps some archive stuff that never got aired from conventions and things we've done in the past we've got a bunch of interviews and bits lying around that we recorded but didn't fit into show I think we're going to wrap some of that up and then after Easter there will be lots of stuff going on the Super Collider conference will be we're going to have um, Graham Booth is going to report to us from there and I'll be talking to him and and using some interviews that he's going to grab for us there will also looking forward yeah. to, to what comes up after Easter so happy seasonality to people and thanks for listening thanks for listening I've been Scott McLaughlin I'm Samuel Freeman. Bye-bye.